Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. My name is Robbie Jeffers. Thanks for joining me this week. After a couple weeks uh, where we weren't able to record a podcast, we are back and we are looking forward to now we are already halfway through the season getting into after this week. Uh, we'll be two-thirds of the way through the regular season. It's hard to believe. Um, we're already seeing playoff projections. But we're going to catch up on weeks four and five around the, the three conferences and um, discuss some, some what's been big games uh, in, across the CSA, obviously last week with the Winter Bowl, and then also the uh, South Central and the Sangamo. Week four was a big week in both conferences where teams really solidified themselves at the top of that conference uh, each respectively so we're getting caught up and and uh get back into it so without further ado let's go all right so looking at uh central state eight here we're just going to recap standings real fast. We've got Glenwood sitting at 5-0. Uh, they have they have taken care of business thus far in the season. And they've got a big one coming up this week with uh, MacArthur. Uh, and I believe that's at MacArthur this Friday night. Uh, that's going to be... That's probably my Central State 8 game of the week just right off the bat. Uh, is Glenwood at MacArthur. Uh, MacArthur sitting at 4-1. They're tied for second with Rochester and SHG. Um, you can't ignore last week was Leonard Bowl 9. Uh, Sacred Heart Griffin put a beat down on Rochester. Rochester made a lot of uncommon Rochester plays, if I can say that. Uh, turned the ball over several times. Really just couldn't get in a, in a rhythm. Uh, didn't even score a touchdown. Uh, when's the last time Rochester didn't score a touchdown? I can't even tell you. Uh, just was not a typical Rochester Rockets performance. And Sacred Heart Griffin took that one 45-6. 24-point uh, third quarter for, for SHG. It was 14-6 at half, so it was Rochester was close. Uh, had a chance to uh, make it even more close in uh, the final minutes of the first half and just couldn't convert. And... Uh, Obviously, SHG pulls away second half with a very dominant performance, and uh, Sam Sweetlow with a very good game uh, last week, and he's really played very, very well since that Glenwood loss. Uh, I think that really flipped a switch for Sam Sweetland, and he's it's showing that he is he is dialed in right now. He's gotten his first uh, Division One offer. So congrats to Sam Sweetland on that. Uh, I'm sure first of several more to come if he keeps playing like he's playing. And uh, so, again, Glenwood sitting at 5-0. SHG, Rochester, MacArthur squarely at second. And then you've got Springfield High uh, at 3-2. and two. Uh, They've been somewhat of a, of a surprise uh, after they won two in a row, uh, after some of those first couple weeks. Uh, they they lost to MacArthur to start the season, and they lost to um, excuse me Glenwood lost to Glenwood uh, in a very wet and, and awful condition game. Um, they they lost pretty handily. Uh, so that's their two losses. Not not terrible losses, obviously. 
Um, teams that are above them in the standings, they haven't lost a game that they, you know, against a, any kind of inferior opponent. Or opponent. But um, I can't say enough, and I've talked about him before uh, on here, but Rashad Rochelle, has, for a freshman at this level, has played lights out. Um, and the ball just looks differently coming out of his hand. I, I don't know what it is. Um, obviously, he's he's been training for a couple years. If you've if you've followed him at all, uh, coming up, he's put his name out there. He's been he's had his name out there for several years. That's he wants to play at the next level. And if he keeps going at the rate he's he's going right now, he's not going to have an issue with that. He's he's going to find a place to play quarterback in college. It's um, that's a given, but. Uh, he's going to continue to put in the work. He looks really good. He's got, obviously, very good weapons around him. Cam Jones, uh, Justin Bivens is running very hard. Uh, if they keep this up, you know, I, I, they're obviously going to be a, a playoff team, I think, with um, looking at some of the games they have left in the schedule that, you know, they may end up at that five and four spot, but uh, I think they're a playoff team. Jacksonville behind them at two and three. And then you just see the drop-off there from um, really Springfield high down. Jacksonville has pulled out a couple games that maybe, again, maybe they weren't expected to pull out. Um, but they're they're still playing hard regardless. And coming off of a, a winless season, uh, you know, they've got to be at least somewhat happier with the improvement that they've seen this year. And... Uh, you know, they've given up a lot of points, but at the same time, still playing hard. Um, Normal U High and Lanfear uh, behind them at one and four, both of those teams. Uh, again, just haven't been able to to really get into a rhythm. Uh, and Eisenhower, Southeast. Southeast is one of those teams that they're much, much, much better than, than what their record indicates. Um, Eisenhower just hasn't been able to put it together whatsoever this year, uh, and and we've you know we talked about it earlier on in the season with the talent that Eisenhower has. You expect some of that talent to make up for areas where they may be, um, you know, still weak in, in in terms of having a full scheme installed. Um, obviously that takes time and there's a culture change that comes with, you know, coaching change in a place like that. Um, but surprising that we haven't heard from really those, those Evans brothers, but, um, Brylan Phillips, another freshman that's been inserted in the quarterback position at, at Eisenhower. He's, he's a high level, um, hoops prospect. You'll hear his name come basketball season quite a bit. Uh, but he stepped in and he's. Uh, sparked that offense up a little bit. Unfortunately, hasn't converted to uh, wins yet for uh, Eisenhower. But um, that's kind of what we're looking at with the CSA. Again, I feel like that that the top of the conference is still open. Um, obviously, Glenwood took one from SHG. SHG took one from Rochester. It would not surprise me if... Rochester took it from Glenwood, and there was a three-way tie. I don't see MacArthur being in that top spot at the end of the year. Um, I just don't feel like they have quite a... It's still a very good team. 
still a probably seven, you know, a six win team minimum um, at this point with how they've played. But, um, you know, that's a very good regular season for MacArthur coming off of what they, you know, what they lost. You felt like, you know, I, I wouldn't have, at least I didn't expect them to be in this position at this point in the year. So credit to Coach Spates and uh, obviously the kids on that team that they're they're putting, putting forth that effort and they're making plays. Uh, but the rest of it, you know, there's not a lot of surprise. Um, I think it was the biggest shock so far this season has been that Glenwood went into SHG and won. Um, otherwise, it, SHG is in Glenwood spot and vice versa. Um, I still think it can end up a three-way tie. I still think it could end up Glenwood takes the whole thing. Uh, so it's just going to depend, you know, obviously on that Glenwood-Rochester game. There's a lot that's hanging on that game uh, here in the next several weeks. So looking at week six, uh, we've got Glenwood at MacArthur. And again, that's my game of the week. I'll, I'll take Glenwood in this just because I think they've got too much across the board. Um, wouldn't surprise me if MacArthur upset them. Uh, they did the same thing pretty much to SHG last year. Uh, SHG went over to Decatur and MacArthur got him. I, you know, I don't think Glenwood, I don't think Coach Hayes going to let his kids o- overlook uh, MacArthur in any way. And, and nor should, you know, they shouldn't, honestly. But, uh, you know, I think, I, I still think Glenwood has more than enough to go into MacArthur and take that game. Uh, SHG uh, at Springfield High. Friday night, uh, I believe at Memorial Stadium, and I got to go SHG here as as good as that Springfield High offense has been in recent weeks. SHG is just too good for Springfield High. I, I expect that uh, SHG will put up a lot of points on Springfield High. Southeast at Normal U High. I like Southeast in this one. Um, Normal U High did get their first win last week, uh, but. Southeast is still a very good team, and they're very well coached. Uh, and Southeast will will likely go into normal and take that. Uh, and then Landfair Jacksonville. I'm going to take Jacksonville at home in this one. Landfair's shown very good uh, glimpses of what they could be. They can put it all together. Um, Narquilla Floor has been very very good running the ball uh, this season, but I don't feel like they have just a, they just don't have enough to. Uh, overcome uh, how good Southeast is as a unit. Southeast has been in a lot of games. Um, I'm sorry, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Um, And especially being at Jacksonville. So, uh, and then I'm going to take Rochester uh, to move to 5-1. I don't think there's going to be much competition there with Eisenhower expect a running clock in that one so that's my recap of the csa uh for uh weeks four and five and then look forward to week six i uh, take a quick break and then we'll be back with some signal talk here on the land of lincoln prep football podcast so back at it with Sangamo conference uh Boy, this is, and I, I, I want to go back, and I, 
I, I talked about this at the beginning of the year. I feel like the Sangamo has been and is one of the toughest conferences top to bottom in the state. And when, when we go through the standings here, you'll see why. Um, if you're not familiar with the Sangamo, uh, very, very, very tough uh, games for the majority of the conference week in and week out. And teams that have been traditionally good have made very deep playoff runs, especially in recent years. Uh, you know, we've talked, you don't have to say a lot about Moroa and Williamsville. Um, you know, you mentioned those schools and obviously you immediately relate success. Um, Athens in recent years has been that team as well, have made, you know, quarterfinal, semifinal runs. Pleasant Plains was a state runner up last year in 3A. Uh, Auburn has made the playoffs for 20 something straight years. Um, you know, and you look at teams that a couple years ago, we were talking about North Mac at the top of the conference. Well, they're right there in the middle of the pack as well as New Berlin. So let's, I want to go back and I want to talk about standings, kind of where we're sitting. Uh, week four was a very big week. And I believe with Williamsville and Maroa, Maroa really dominated pretty much all aspects of that game with Waynesville. Um, they're sitting at the top of the conference. Moreau Forsyth is at 5-0 and and squarely in the driver's seat to take this conference either by, I even hate to, I don't want to say tie because I know Coach Joseph is going to hate that, but, um, and obviously they're going to focus one week at a time. I know they don't want to tie the conference, obviously. Nobody does, but um, I think they have a, a great shot to run the table in the same month. Um, they've got Athens left. It's very tough. But they beat Williamsville. Uh, they beat Plains. And so, really, their toughest games are outside of Athens are probably mostly out of the way. Um, they have given up 35 points on the year. From from the records that I'm seeing, 35 a game, one touchdown a game uh, is what they're they're giving up, uh, and they've scored 230. So their 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 offense is absolutely firing on all cylinders. Uh, they they show no signs of slowing down whatsoever. Williamsville, Athens tied behind them at second at four and one. Athens' only loss was to Williamsville. Williamsville's only loss was to Moroa. So those three teams have, have set themselves apart. Um, we've got a big matchup. Uh, Moroa at Athens, I believe it was week seven. Uh, so that game is going to go a long way in deciding whether or not it's going to be a split, I think. Um, Athens coming off of a, a, a solid win. Um past couple weeks they they went to Auburn took care of business um, they're sitting at 4-1 again they've got um, this coming week I believe they've got Pittsfield so they're gonna they're gonna be moving to 5-1 and one. Williamsville uh, will be at Plains that's gonna be a good game um, I, I I do see Williamsville winning at Plains um, but you know this conference is is very very tough behind Williamsville and Athens. You got Plains at three and two, uh, and probably I would venture to say one of the best three and two teams in the state. Um, they've they're coming off of a tough loss last week, but 
Uh, and, and this week's a tough game for them again as well. Uh, but they're probably looking at six and three. Uh, if if everything goes as as planned, looking at the schedule, they're probably looking at six and three. Uh, they're squarely in the playoffs. Behind them, you've got four teams tied at two and three: uh, Auburn, Porta, North Mac, and New Berlin. Uh, North Mac has played, I think, a little bit more tough than. Uh, some people expected same with Porta. Porta's won after they started doing three. Porta's won two in a row, so uh, they had a they had I believe it was Riverton last week, and so they're they're back into the conversation of can they get to that five win mark? Uh, Auburn, it feels like even though the both teams are two and three, Porta and Auburn, I feel like Auburn is maybe trending the opposite direction. It's almost like. Mm, are are we are we gonna make the like are they gonna get to five wins? They've lost three in a row, uh, and it's a you know this is very uncharacteristic. Now, and there's been years recent past, probably within the last five years. I think they were uh, sitting at either two and four, might have been two and four, and they came back and won three games, and they they made the playoffs. Uh, five and four, and they've made deep playoff runs uh, with, you know, five and four, six and three records. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they couldn't still make a run, or that they're out of the playoff picture because obviously they're not. Um, they can still get to five wins. It's just going to be a little bit, a little bit tougher. They've still got Moreau, I believe, um, and so. You know they they've got their work cut out for them to get to that five six win mark. Uh, New Berlin is a team that I think has has been in so many close games and they just haven't been able to pull it out. Um, if I had to take a, a, a stab at what teams out of those two and three teams are not going to make five wins, I would say I, I would probably say New Berlin, Porta, uh, North Mac has a favorable schedule ahead of them. Uh, Auburn, I would say they're probably going to make it to five wins, although it doesn't feel like they're trending that way. And then behind them, you have Pittsfield at one and four. Uh, and then Riverton still winless on the season at one five. So, again, top to bottom, the same most just, it's just a tough conference, and you have so much competition there in the middle uh, with those four, two, and three teams uh, that. You're trying to find paths for them to make the playoffs, and it's just it's it's very very cloudy. We'll know a lot more after this week. We got Auburn at North Mac, so again, two of those teams that are at that two and three mark squaring off. Um, I I expect I'm gonna take North Mac at home on that one. That's the chances is obviously a tremendous player, but. It, it feels like he's having to do so much by himself that it's it's almost a detriment to Auburn. Uh, he's been beat up. I think he's... Last time I saw him in a highlight, he was all taped up. and uh, I think he had a, a good amount of tape on his throwing hand, which can't be great. Um, obviously, he's going to make plays, and he's a tremendous athlete, but... Uh, it feels like North Mac's a more complete team, 
and they're playing a little bit better ball right now. And uh, I'll take North back at home. Uh, Pittsfield at Athens, I'll take Athens on this one all day. I feel like that trip for Pittsfield is, is pretty brutal too. I know that's been talked about, but um, Athens playing very, very good ball right now. Dalton D. Giovanna is running all over the Sangamo. Uh, and Athens actually, if, if the record that I've seen are correct, Athens has the Sangamo's two leading rushers in D. Giovanna and Nick Laird. And so expect a, a lot of the run game. Jack Richards playing great ball though too at quarterback. Um, you know, when they pass the ball, he's efficient. Um, so I feel like Athens is getting to the point where they, they're going to be able to beat you either way. Uh, if you, you know, if you bottle up one, you're, which it's very hard to bottle up a wing offense that runs efficiently as Athens does with so many guys. They have Orm, they have Laird, they have DJ Ivana, um, and Cam Floyd. I mean, they, all those guys have gone off at times this year. So it's kind of pick your poison with them. And then again, Richards can go over the top of you, and Tisdale, you know, Tisdale can, can make plays. So, Athens very, very complete right now, and they're playing very good ball. Um, uh, one foreign row. So, they're on a roll. Moroa at Porta. Give me Moroa to stay undefeated, move to 6-0. and uh, Unfortunately, Porta just, yeah, I just don't think they have enough. Um, coming off of back-to-back -back wins, but give me Moroa. Williamsville at Plains. I'm going to take Williamsville again. I said it a little bit earlier, but this is probably my... This is probably my, my Sangmo game of the week. Uh, just looking at the other games. You could also say Auburn North Mac just for what it could potentially be in terms of the standings or importance for those, those teams. Um, but I also feel like if... If Plains could, could somehow pull that out... Uh, they would put themselves in very, very good position going forward to be a, a seven and two, um, a seven and two team. I mean, regardless of whether they win this week or not, I think they're they're at a minimum of six wins. Um, at, just based on what they've got left, I think that they're they're looking uh, to to put themselves in very, very good position uh, going forward. So. Uh, that's my recap and wrap up of the Sangamo. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back with the Central State 8. I'm sorry, with, with the South Central Conference. Get my conference titles mixed up. Uh, here on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. All right, back at it with the South Central. Uh, just looking at the South Central standings. We've got two teams at the top still undefeated, uh, and that would be Carlinville and Vandalia, both tied at 5-0. Uh, behind them, we've got Payne at 4-1, Greenville Staunton at 3-2, and, and then uh, Gillespie at 2-3, and, and then at the bottom, we've got Hillsborough, Roxana, Southwestern, Paisal Southwestern 1-4, and, and Litchfield 0-5. So... Um, Want to recap what happened week four? Payne went to Carlinville, and I don't know if I can tell you the last time Payne got hit with a running clock. Um, I think it, if I, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe 
the at least in my mind, the last time Pena could have been hit with a running clock was when they went to the playoffs and were at Williamsville in, in first round. Uh, I believe that was the year that Williamsville was the state runner-up. So that may have been 2014. I'm not exactly sure. Um, in, my, in my memory, that's the last time I believe Pena was hit with a running clock. Carlinville dominated every aspect of this game. Uh, won 49-12 and put them in the driver's seat to take the South Central. Now, I know Vandalia is still undefeated. Vandalia has not played Carlinville, nor have they played Pena. So, in their last four weeks, they've still got both of those teams left. And Vandalia's played very well, to their credit. They, You know, you can only beat who you play. Um, or, you know, you can only win as many games as as your schedule allows you to at the moment. Um, they have scored 218 points on the season. They've only given up 63. Carlaville has, has scored 234, only given up 38. Um, points for and against is not really the, the tell-all, but that's by far and away the lowest of, of the conference. Pena historically has not given up that many points, but... Um, giving up 49 to Carlaville there in week four was, I'm sure Coach Leip was not happy with that. I'm sure Coach Higgins obviously was not happy with that. But pain of, and it was very similar to a what happened with Rochester and when they played SHG, they played a very non-Pena-esque or Pena-like game. Um, had initially started the game and. Uh, had a deep drive or a couple deep drives uh, into Carlinville territory. I, I had four downs with inside the 10 of Carlinville. Couldn't punch it in. I believe two of those downs were on the one and still couldn't get it in. And then um, that first drive uh, that they, they, they couldn't convert on, it was a two-play Carlinville drive on the opposite side of that when they turned it over and Carlinville was in the end zone on two passes. So... Uh, Jared Easterday threw seven touchdowns in that game. Carlinville won 49-12 again. Um, it was it was 49 to six at half, and Carlinville got to 49 on the last play. So it was a clock, but it was it was very close. Um, I say very close, but it was it was very close to not starting the second half with the running clock. I'll say that. Pena came out the second. Uh, second half and their first drive was a scoring drive but when you have the whole second half as a running clock it's just it's hard to get to that point where you can catch up or getting momentum um, credit to Carlinville played very well Pena just didn't have it going into Carlinville again not not obviously not the end of Pena's season and matter of fact after the game uh, Coach Higgins told his team you know uh, Moroa got clocked by Williamsville last year and Moroa was a state runner up it didn't, you know, diminish their season or doom their season because they got clocked. Um, so, Payne obviously still in a very good position at 4-1. Carlinville's just, just at the top and they're sitting there. What feels like, even though Vandalia is 5-0, what feels like by themselves by a pretty wide margin. Now, that's not to say that Vandalia can't beat Carlinville and Payne can't beat Vandalia and this can still be a split. Uh... It's a very similar situation to what's going on in the Central State 8 in that regard. 
Um, but those three teams were still at the top. And then uh, Greenville, Staunton, um, Staunton playing very well. Greenville's turned it on as of recently. They've won two straight. Uh, it's kind of that middle pack with, with Gillespie and then everybody else at the bottom. Um, just, you know, again, no real major surprises uh, with with what what's happened in the South Central thus far. But uh, these next few weeks will be uh, very, very big for those top three teams. This coming up week, uh, we get Hillsborough at Pena uh, this Friday night, and I expect Pena to still to, to you know keep their momentum. They uh, after that week four loss, that blowout at Carlinville, they rebounded at home and and beat Staunton 41-13. Um, they've got some guys that are making some huge plays. Bryce Edmiston has been a, a do it all for Payne of this year. And he was one of them that was injured early on. Uh, weren't sure, you know, it, how long he was going to be out. He was back the next week and picked up right where he left off. Um, returned the opening kickoff last week, 88 yards against Taunton for a touchdown. Um, he's, you can put him in a lot of different positions on the field and he's going to make a lot of plays. He's, he's a, all conference players so far this year, I think, uh, for Pena, and he's he's doing a lot of different things, running a wildcat, returning kicks, you know, running the ball, you know, at receiver. So uh, he, if he can, if they can continue to to feed him, he's gonna continue to do good things for uh, that Panther club, and uh, I see them taking a a W again this week against Oakboro. Piasaw at Carlinville. Carlinville is not going to be slowed down by Piasaw. Uh, they'll move to 6-0. Gillespie at Litchfield. Gillespie, Litchfield just doesn't have enough. Uh, give me Gillespie there. Uh, and Roxana at Greenville. Uh, this one's interesting. I think that Roxana probably has more of a chance in this one than a lot of people realize, but I'll take Greenville home uh, to move to 4-2. and And then we have... Uh, Staunton and Vandalia, which is probably the game of the week, just considering the records and, and what I've seen from both of those teams. Um, I'll take Vandalia to move to 6-0, and uh, but that's going to be a, a, a big matchup with Vandalia and Carlinville that's looming. Um, and if obviously, if Carlinville wins, uh, then I don't see that. I see them running the table at 9-0. They're now ranked number two in 3A. Um, and they're putting themselves in a very, very good spot to be a top seed in their, in their bracket. Um, and I, I have to look, but I, I, I don't, I, the other team in 3A that is in the area that's prop that potentially they could meet up with that could stop them from getting champagne, St. Teresa. Um, they met in the playoffs last year, I believe, and Carlinville ended up winning. So... Uh, you know, that, that could be a potential matchup down the road we'll, we'll talk about uh, should that come up in the playoffs. But um, Carlinville's, you know, obviously played very, very well. And Carlinville's done it maybe not as we've seen a Carlinville team do it before in that um, historically they've been a team that has run the ball and they'll pound it on you. And, uh, you know, looking back a couple years ago where they had Jacob Dixon and, and uh, they've had, historically, they've had very, very good running backs and they've had multiple thousand yard rushers a season. They're just doing it through the air this year. And they've got Jake Ambuel and they've got uh, Kyle Dixon, Jacob's brother out on the outside. 
and uh, I believe Kyle Dixon's probably up there in the state in receiving yards. Jared Easterday is up there in, in the in the state in passing yards. Um, their offense is running through the air, and they they, they how they killed Payne was they killed the screen game. Um, screens were were just working, and I think they they you know. I haven't seen them obviously yet this year, but based on what I know, um, they like to, to just get the to get the ball to the guys in space and let them, you know, they're not necessarily going over the top of you. They're just getting the ball to the playmakers on the outside of the perimeter and they're they're following blocks and uh, making things happen. So obviously very good athletes that they can probably put in the backfield if they had to and put in and really probably get you either way that's what's scary about carlinville um but they're getting it done so credit to them credit to vandalia they're you know they're still undefeated obviously um but we'll see here in the next couple of weeks really what Vandalia's made of um big matchups coming up with both carlinville and Pena. uh and uh can't wait to see those how those shake out uh but Again, uh, you know, this conference is not really, there's going to be teams with, with good playoff runs. I think you'll see each of those three teams, Carlinville, Vandalia, Pena, make, make good playoff, decent playoff runs. Um, you know, it's a matter of where they're placed. Uh, Pena in 2A, Carlinville in 3A, and probably Vandalia in 3A. Uh, I believe Carlinville and Vendelli are both top 10 ranked teams in 3A. Uh, so, you know, that speaks to South Central and, and uh, level competition. You don't, just because the team's undefeated doesn't, mean, doesn't necessarily mean they're a top 10, you know, quality team. But both of those teams, I feel, are at that level uh, just based on, you know, what they're doing with, with uh, what they've got. So... South Central, uh, again, very, very good conference. Uh, very similar to the, the CS8 and how it's shaken out. But, but the quality teams, uh, it's very comparable to the, to the Sangamo in that the middle of the conference is still very good, even though the, the bottom four there, uh, the records don't really reflect it. Uh, I think that, you know, if you sleep on, again, if you sleep on any of those teams, uh, a Gillespie, a Hillsborough, a Roxana, they could have the potential to pull out an upset. And, um, you know, that just, it makes it tough to to look at some of these games. Hillsborough, for Pena this week, scares me. Um, just because I think if, if Pena's looking too far ahead, which isn't characteristic of them, but, you know, these are, these things do happen and they happen at every level. Um, Hillsborough could, could potentially pull out one in Pena this year, or I'm sorry, this week. And uh, I'd upset some things a little bit. Um, but I see Pena minimum being 7-2. and two. Uh, Vandalia minimum being 7-2. and two. Um, Just based on who they have left. So, Carnival obviously at the top again. Um, credit to them and Coach Easterday. And uh, what they're doing down there. We're going to take another quick break. And we'll be back and wrap this thing up. You know we got to talk Taylorville. And, uh, and what Brandon Odom's doing. So... We'll be right back here on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast.
All right, so uh, just wrapping up this week's uh, episode, uh, we you know we've got to talk Taylorville football uh, as they are one of the top teams in the in the area, uh, right up there, ranked right behind Rochester in Class Four A, uh, playing out of the Apollo, and their number one player right now is uh, without a doubt Brandon Odom, uh, senior quarterback. Uh, coach's nephew, uh, and boy, is he putting up some crazy numbers. Uh, listen to this stat line for the season. 97 of 135, 1,740 yards, 18 TDs, passing, three interceptions in five weeks. He's averaging 348 passing yards a game, six to one touchdown turn, you know, touchdown to turnover interception ratio. It's ridiculous. Um, two top receivers uh, in Justin Wright, who he had last year as one of his main guys to hold the you know the single game receiving record, uh, and then transfer in from Bolingbrook. Uh, who's been a surprise, Yemi Odubison. And I did learn how to pronounce his name. Uh, and everybody needs to know how to pronounce Yemi's name because this guy is is on the scene now. Uh, he's a real deal, uh, along with Wright, obviously. And uh, Taylorville is 5-0, sitting at the top of the Apollo, have themselves in a great position going forward into the playoffs. Uh, and potentially could meet up with a Rochester. Uh, you know, there's in, in, in Class 4A, there's, I believe, Highland as well as another um, team that is a potential threat to come out of uh, what we consider, I believe, the Southern uh, southern bracket. But uh, obviously there's a lot of football to be played, but Odom still putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, had that 559-yard passing game uh, earlier in the season, but he can get it done with his legs too. He's got, uh, I believe, close to 400 yards rushing, another four touchdowns on the ground. So it's all running through him. And uh, at this point, you got to assume if he stays healthy, he's an All-State player. He probably, you know, still, it's far and away. I don't think there's anybody within 400 and some 450 plus yards of him passing in the state. Uh, he's still ranked very, very high nationally, uh, and so you know credit to to Coach Odom, his his uncle, what's going on there, and how they're you know running through their offense there in uh, Taylorville uh, on that brand new turf field. It looks very, very nice. I'm I'm actually watching a highlight on him right now. Uh, that field looks amazing. Um, and uh, so I'm sure they're enjoying that. Uh, and in the success of what's been Tornado football the last few years, they've, they've really turned that program around. And a lot of it had to do with, again, um, you know, that move to the Apollo obviously set them up, you know, very well to uh, equal what seemed like equal level competition there. Uh, they felt a little out of place in Central State 8. Um, so obviously that move to the Apollo helps, uh, and you know, winning brings a culture change just naturally. It's happened in Pena too. Um, winning just changes things. And as obvious as that seems, 
uh, and, and it sounds, um, you know, you don't see it really firsthand until it happens, um, or you don't understand it, I guess, until you, until you experience it or, or see it up close. So, um, again, you know, last several years have been, have been very good and, um, I expect Taylorville to, uh, again, run away with the Apollo as, as they've, there's been a couple teams at the top of that with Mount Zion. Effingham gave them a little bit of a fight earlier this year. That was Odom's, uh, you know, huge passing game. But uh, they're they're in control of, of the Apollo right now and and uh, have themselves set up for a very uh, very good playoff run if uh, if all if hopefully everybody stays healthy. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention: Saint Teresa running back Jacardier Wright is leading the state right now with touchdowns of 23 um, back-to-back seven touchdown games and one of them being against Tuscola um, that was a big game in the Central Illinois Conference uh, we don't really talk about that conference here um, just because it's uh, the placement of most of those teams but um, St. Teresa goes into Tuscola and Tuscola loses a regular season game for the first time I believe in four years it was a huge win for St. Teresa at Tuscola I believe it was the first time Tuscola had lost a conference game in four years. Not just a game at home. Um, it was probably even longer of a streak of a game at home. But uh, Jacardi Wright took control of that game and absolutely dominated that game. Uh, had several touchdowns rushing. Had a pick six. Um, and again, he followed it up with another seven-touchdown performance last week. So... Uh, very well known that he is a high-level Division One prospect, and um, he's going to play a high-level ball somewhere. Uh, don't know where exactly yet. Looking like could be Iowa, could be could be Minnesota, uh, but he's a Power Five school guy without a doubt, uh, and uh, not not exactly sure of what position yet. Uh, he's. He's been projected as, as somebody that could potentially play safety and or linebacker. Um, he's just a, a tremendous athlete, uh, without a doubt. And uh, looking forward to uh, what St. Teresa is going to do the rest of the season. Um, Coach Mark Ramsey, obviously a, a legendary uh, guy in the Central Illinois football scene. Uh, so many years at A&M, moved to Shelbyville. And then a couple years ago, a few years ago, took the St. Teresa position and, uh, you know, results were as expected. They've they've played very, very well, made some very good playoff runs. Uh, and it helps have an athlete like Jacardier right for, for sure. Uh, but they're playing very well right now. So wanted to mention that. And uh, as far as Central Illinois goes, uh, very, very, I mean, the year, I cannot say it enough how, how fast this season has gone. I was thinking about the other day as a player, and maybe it was just because I was on a team that wasn't wasn't winning for a good majority of my uh, playing years. But you get to week six, and it's like, man, it's dragging on, uh, and and kids are beat up. Uh, you know, they're I'm sure they're hurting. Uh, they're in the grind of football season right now, especially if you're not on on one of those winning teams. If you're losing, it's you're, it's really tough to make it to practice and make it to school and make it through nine weeks. Um, so, 
you know, I feel for a lot of those kids, but even if you are winning, um, kids are beat up, uh, and, uh, you know, they're trying to get to that point where maybe they can secure a playoff spot, maybe they can rest up a week, uh, and, or, you know, not be utilized as much maybe as they've been relied on in the past, uh, off to that point in the season, but, um, it's coming down to the wire, conference is still open, so, Outside of what, you know, I think Maroa and, and Carlinville that have established themselves, I think you've still got questions in the CS8 uh, and some big games left across all, you know, across the board, across all three conferences. So um, these next several weeks will be very big and uh, looking into playoffs. I think we'll, we'll probably talk next week about some of the playoff projections um, as it relates to teams that we follow here. Uh, and potential matchups as we go on. It's going to update weekly, obviously, at this point um, with seeding and, and how things shake out. So can't wait for that. And uh, we'll look forward to playoffs and, and seeing who has realistic shots to be in Champaign those couple days after Thanksgiving. So uh, we're getting down to the wire. I can't wait to, to get into playoff football. Uh, you know, kind of sad that it's gone so fast, but... Um, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, I, I mentioned that we're going to have some guests. We're still working all that out, working out logistics of, of equipment and all those things. So I can get some coaches to join me, uh, and some other personalities to join me. I, I can't wait for that. I hope we can get that squared away within the next couple weeks because that's going to be huge. And, um, someone that central Ohio high school football scene hasn't heard from this year. Uh, that's been very, very instrumental in the past in developing some of these things and bringing some of this exposure. Um, so I won't, I won't, that's all I'll say. That's all I'll give as a teaser. Um, but again, some state title winning coaches too that we've got in, in the hopper uh, that I can't wait to get on here and just talk, uh, talk the season and talk ball. So that's been it for this week's episode of the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. It's good to be back, and we'll look forward to speaking over results of week six and look forward to week seven and the last uh, little stretch of the season. Again, thanks for joining me this week and listening in. I appreciate it, uh, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week here on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. <laughs>